Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast, presented by Dead Soxie, hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady, and featuring RebelGrove.com and Rivals.com recruiting analyst Russell Johnson. Awesome! The Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Caution, you are about to enter the no-spin zone. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail, and it does it in style. Just like Dead Soxy. I'm better looking than you. Visit DeadSoxy.com and enter Rebel Grove at checkout for 25% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now here's your host, Neil McCrady. Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxy. I'm your host, Neil McCrady. Today on the show, it's Tyler Siski, kind enough to spend almost an hour with us. He is the... Uh, Ole Miss football assistant athletics director for player personnel is his very long uh, title. What he really is is uh, Matt Luke's kind of right-hand man as it pertains to recruiting, uh, as it pertains to uh, deciding who comes into the program, how you build the program, how you build a brand for the program. So Tyler uh, joins us. He spends almost an hour, like I said, 58 minutes uh, and some change. We got to a lot of things, as you can imagine, in that amount of time, and we'll let you hear that in just a minute. First, I do want to tell you about Dead Soxy. Warm weather is here. With it comes the inevitable debate of sock or no sock with your loafers. So save your feet and your shoes from making their own impression. Step into spring with some no-shows from Dead Soxy today. You really need to experience the difference a quality sock makes. Go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Enter the code REBELGROVE at checkout to receive 30% off all orders, including sale items. These no-shows are the same quality you already love and enjoy with Dead Soxy's traditional dress socks, and they come with the no-slip guarantee. So go to deadsoxy.com, check out the no-show collection, and remember to enter promo code REBELGROVE at checkout for 30% off all orders. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Uh, call that number, ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what new Ford you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get a great Ford vehicle, great service after the sale. Uh, Corey's going to take care of you. He wants to be your truck guy. He wants to be your car guy. He'll prove it to you. Get that quote uh, and then go from there. Take it from me. You'll be uh, you'll be glad you did. Uh, and if you tell Corey that you heard about Clark Ford on the Soft Purple Podcast, you'll save $500 off your bottom line. And uh, so now we're going to go to the Patterson and Earhart hotline for Tyler Siski, Patterson and Earhart, attorneys at law. They specialize in personal injury law and real estate law, but they have a general practice that can handle any of your legal needs. If you think you have a legal issue, if you think you have a legal issue upcoming, Get in touch with John Calvin Patterson, Wes Earhart. They're Ole Miss guys. They're local guys. And when you call them, you're going to get one of them on the phone within the same day. Guaranteed. So whether you've been injured in a car wreck or have other legal issues, give them a call at 662-526-1992 or check out their website, pelaws.com. Your initial consultation is free. And now to the Patterson and Earhart hotline, here is Tyler Siski. Tyler, welcome into the uh, Soft Verbal Podcast. Appreciate you spending some time here uh, this morning. Thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Uh, all right, let's let's start here. Um, 
I know you, you, you for those who don't know, Tyler is not allowed by NCAA rule to talk specifically about any uh, prospect who's out there who's not yet signed. He can talk about the guys that have been signed who are already on campus and the guys who have been signed who will be on campus here in about a month or so. Um, in general, the uh, the 2019 class, I know it was the, uh, the, the first one in a little while that, that you got to recruit without the NCAA cloud hanging over you. Um, how did you uh, how did you sort of feel when it was all said and done about uh, what you got well, what what you did well, where maybe you you, you came up a, a, a guy short, that kind of thing? I mean, just your general feelings about that class. Yeah, first of all, top to bottom, I was very pleased. I think we, you know, number one goal going into it was to try to get us back to the 85 and then try to get us balanced out position-wise with scholarships. You know, I think it's been said before, you know, when the sanctions prior to me getting here, uh, when the sanctions were going through, a lot of the positions that suffered a little bit were the positions that we were good at, uh, you know, receiver, offensive line, those things. And then we kind of oversigned at some positions that we were not, that good at so getting that back to balance uh normal classes don't like to sign that many offensive linemen or that many receivers in one class um but i was happy the fact we kind of got it back to the 85 and then got the numbers back to where you know they belong per position uh trying to build this thing for the long run because you know it's very well documented the damage that we took uh from the from the sanctions so that was that was step one and then obviously going into this class now getting the right getting the years right you know the right freshman sophomore junior senior balance in those classes to uh you know build this thing to the long haul uh, we didn't get to see a lot of uh, a lot of the spring. Obviously, it's that's the trend nationally. And when you're a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, as I said, I get it. You did get to see a lot. Not asking for details about what the team's going to look like from a schematic standpoint or all of that, but in general, um, when you walked off of the practice field after the that final practice, the Monday after the Grove Bowl, uh, how much more positive about the upcoming season and the program were you as opposed to maybe? you know, the day you, you walked off the field after the Egg Bowl lost to Mississippi State? Yeah, you know, what I was, you know, I guess the, in general, I think we're going to have, we'll be a better team. I think we got, uh, the chemistry is really good. Uh, the toughness is really good. You know, I think we're going to be deeper. And, you know, we, we may not have a, you know, first-round pick or whatever, I guess second-round pick in this case. But, you know, these superstars that people would kind of go to, but I think we're going to be deeper. We'll have more quality players game ready uh, just for the sheer numbers uh, standpoint. Um, and I think we're a better football team. And I think we, uh, you know, I thought the special on defensive side of the ball uh, improvement was drastic uh, offensively. Uh, running the football I was very pleased with and then really pleased with our younger quarterbacks and then you know also the development of Matt you know I think he's gonna be a superstar um he's he's got it whatever it is he has it um really really impressed with him and then our offensive line how they've how they've come along in a short period of time so I'm very encouraged going into I kind of like the way our uh, schedule sets up um and I'm very like I said very encouraged uh, moving forward uh, the NFL draft just wrapped up. You guys had, as you know, um, 
a, a, a big second round. Uh, Dawson Knox went in the third. Had a couple of guys go in the seventh round. I know a, a number of guys signed free agent contracts. How much um, having that presence on Friday night can? How much can you use that to help the program as as it goes forward in recruiting? Oh, you you can use a lot. I mean, it's it's a big deal. Um, you know, you 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 say, hey, you know, we can we can put. I don't know, was it six, seven guys where it was five, six, I don't know what it was, it actually got drafted. But, you know, it, it establishes it establishes you as a program that can put players into the into the NFL. And, you know, we've done that for a while here. You know, there, there were a couple of years that was better than others. But, you know, you want to get and build the program to where that's the norm, not the exception. And I think that's that's kind of the next step is, you know, and unfortunately that takes time going through, you know, you know, before this, this class we just recruited. I mean, we're talking three to four years down the road before that happens. But you, you, you want to get to a point to where that's an, a norm, not an exception. And you and you start building your brand, and that's you know something I'm sure we'll talk about later on. But I think that's something that's very important in recruiting. It's just about building your brand, you know, in recruiting, and that's one thing and one tool that can that you know, unlike any other, that can help you build your brand in recruiting. Fans get really hung up, and understandably. And look, I'm I'm, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. I mean, I work for a a, a, a network rivals that. Um, they they use rankings as a uh, as a marketing tool makes sense we're not alone other uh, other people do it ESPN does it twenty four seven does it um, yeah everybody likes everybody loves lists that's proven everybody loves uh, loves rankings that's proven people love to debate about rankings you can sell rankings etc when when your class is judged by those rankings and obviously you know more about the you know more about the prospects than the people like uh, rivals and, and scout and ESPN who are who are evaluating them. Does it does it irritate you? Do you have to just sort of dismiss it? Do you do you look at it? What are your general thoughts on the rankings process and the way that's done? <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say I get a little bit of all of the above. Uh, I, I do try to uh, block it out. I can't I can't listen to what somebody ranks a player that's probably sitting in his grandmother's basement on a, on a keyboard, um, and, you know, ranking a player, but, um, you know, example. So every year and then during, after the draft. So this is one thing that we did with our short tank guys, I guess on Friday. So I take the top, the first round. So I'll give you an example. Okay. If I told you four years ago that we're going to sign in four years, we're going to sign the top 25 picks. We got 25 scholarships and we're going to sign the top 25 picks in the NFL draft. Would you be excited? Yeah, I would think if, uh, if, if, if I'm a fan of a program and you tell me that I'm going to get the, the top 25 picks, I'm, I'm pretty geeked up about that. I think that would probably work out pretty well for my team. You think we would win some football games? That'd be my guess. That'd be my, that'd be yeah, my, I would too. I would yeah. probably win them all. Um, you know, that class class wouldn't have been a top-ranked class in the country uh, this year. We would have finished uh, – it would been a good class. We would have finished third, but taking the top 25 players in the NFL draft, we would not have been ranked the top class in the country. So that's problem one. Um, and that would include signing seven five-stars. So, you know, if I told you we are going to sign seven five-stars, you would probably think we'd be the top class in the country. So that kind of tells you kind of how – all things are, you know, 
about two thirds of the draft every year. Okay, so I guess this year, you know, it changes the number of picks change with the trades and the compensatory picks that they get, but roughly two thirds of every NFL draft, the players that are taken are three stars or below. Okay, and the way I look at it is when you start talking about you know, every year, regardless of the site, whether it's, you know, Rivals, 247, or ESPN, who are the major three now, um, about 20 to 30 players get five-star status, you know, roughly depending on the year. Okay, well, those guys are really easy. Like my wife, she barely knows if, if you know, that you get three, you get four downs to get a first down. Like she thinks we may have to punt on second down. But the one thing she did know is the first time she that Robert Kandichi came on campus and, and – she met him, and then this big 6'5", 300-pound guy walks in the door with a six-pack and can run a 4'5". He's probably a five-star. So those guys are really easy to pick out. I'm talking about very easy. And, you know, for me, I can probably pick out, you know, we were actually talking about the other day, I could probably pick out 150 to 200 of those guys that are each year. I know – I know how the stuff works, but those are really easy to pick out the top 20 to 30 players in the country. That's an easy assessment for anybody. You know, now you, you go to the next step, which is a four-star guy. Okay. And roughly depending on the site, you'll have between 275, 325 guys a year. And this is where it starts getting tricky. A lot of misses in that group, a lot of misses. And then you look at now three-star and below, you're looking at between 1,200 and 1,500 players or three stars or below. Okay, so if a player is a really good player on film, okay, then the reason that they're not turn out to be a good player are a variety of reasons. Uh, grades, you know, obviously they don't – when you watch huddle film or you watch something, you don't know what his academics status is. So either, A, he can't get into school, or, B, when he gets there, he's not going to be able to be successful. Um, two would be character, okay. You know, there's guys that – you know, everybody's asking me about, why aren't we taking this guy, this guy, this guy? Well, he, he's he's in a gank. You know, uh, we can't bring that kind of person into our program. Um, sometimes the size is not accurate or not. Sometimes pretty much 100% of the time the size is not accurate. Weight is usually close, but height is never. Uh, there's another highly ranked guy that we got wore out because we didn't take this past year, and he was listed very big and he was very small um and not going to be able to handle in this uh in this league um the other one uh the last two which is is really you're seeing a trend you know as the years go on is a sense of entitlement a lot of kids that like recruiting and you know show me some love and all the stuff that are very into recruiting uh don't turn out to be great players a lot of time just because they have a sense of entitlement and they don't want to work for what they get. And then the last thing would probably be just a competitive character, you know, just guys that they like recruiting more than they like football. Um, we can go on about this. It depends on how long you got on your podcast here. But, you go know, there, there are three players that really stand out to me a lot uh, over my career that bother me with the ranking stuff. You know, um, one, uh, when I was at Alabama, we signed a kid named Ronnie Harrison, okay, uh, Ronnie's now playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, so Ronnie comes to camp in July. Okay, he was a three-star player. He had one offer, and he was committed to him. So he got one offer from, I believe it was North Carolina, and he committed on the spot. Okay, so he has one offer, and he's committed to North Carolina. And he was a three-star. So he shows up to camp in July, 
and we had all these who's to who of of five stars out there. I mean, we I remember Minka Fitzpatrick was at the same camp. I remember it right. Um, there were some other guys that were I won't mention their names, but there were some other highly ranked guys there. And Ronnie Harrison was by far the best player in the secondary that day. And you know, Mecca was very good too. But you know, somebody that were like, "This is a no-brainer." We we offer him, so we offer him. He commits, and then two weeks later, he's a top 200 player and four-star in the country. So that was that was one. That's not even the worst one. So the other one I have a problem with is uh, is uh, Quinn Williams. Okay, so we all know that he just got drafted late third. Is that right? Uh, defensive tackle from Alabama. Yeah, he went third. Yep, because uh, Bosa went, went Bosa went second, and uh, Kyler Murray went number one. Right. So when we first started recruiting him, I was at Alabama. He had no profile. Didn't even have one. Okay. Immediately, so I guess when word got out that these schools, and it wasn't just Alabama, it was Auburn, and schools started going by and and seeing him. Uh, he he got a profile after his offer. The next ranking after his offer, he went up 106 spots. Okay, and then the other big jump was everybody's like, oh, you know, they're just recruiting and they're really not going to take him. Well, I guess then the people that are involved with whatever schools figure out that he's going to get taken and they're actually going to sign him. He went up 245 spots after his last game, but before signing day. Okay, so he goes up another 245 spots. Now, he hasn't played anymore, so what's changed? Okay, and then my personal favorite with him is after he enrolled, okay, so he's already there. He's a player on the football team. His ranking actually changed four times after he's already playing at the school. Now, why is that? What's that have to do with recruiting rankings? Had a good workout? Four times. Four times. It changed. And how about this? The last one, this is the best part, the last ranking that changed on him was after his redshirt freshman year at Alabama. His ranking changed again. Now, what what side is this? This is composite. Okay, so this takes all three. I won't. I won't. I'm not throwing anybody out there. I'm going all three of them combined. Okay, so that's on the composite. Okay, so somebody changed them. It's right. why. It's then, why I personally and you and I've had this conversation. I have the ability to have input into rankings, and I never take it ever, never ever because I just. I don't see them enough. I don't know enough. I don't have the context. Um, and 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 you you'd be surprised, Tyler, because sometimes people get mad at me. Like, well, you should you should put some you know you should say something positive about whatever. I'm I, I, I'm not right. I'm not qualified to say something positive or negative about any particular kid because there's like maybe I see a kid my 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 kids go to Oxford High School, so I see a. Um, We'll use a we'll use a past player so we don't talk about a current player and get you in any trouble. I see DK Metcalf play. We can talk about DK. Right. We can talk about DK now. He's a Seattle Seahawk. Yep. Um, I see DK Metcalf play, and I obviously look at him. And go, oh, he's pretty talented. He he looks different than the others. He runs different than the others. He he looks really good. Now I can say that, and I did. I did tell the people at Rivals, hey man, this kid. If they're fifteen wide receivers in the country better than this one. Can can I see them? I just want to see them. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'd love to see them. 
And then I saw A.J. Brown. We can talk about him. He's now a member of the Tennessee Titans. I saw him in a state championship yeah, one of the most game. Impressive. High school receivers I've ever I – mean, he's a top five for me that I've ever yeah. evaluated. I saw him and I said, whoa. It was the same day that I saw – I want to say the same day I saw Jeffrey Simmons. Maybe I saw Simmons a year later. Yeah. I don't I don't remember. Good one. Yeah, really good players. And, and and my point is is that I could talk about guys like that, but even then I could say I know enough about football to know those are special players. But I don't know enough about the kid that's in Ohio or the kid that's in Washington right. State or the kid that's in San Diego or the kid that's in Houston or, or whatnot, fill in the whatever town you want to use, to, to be able to say, well, I, I know at this point where D.K. Metcalf and A.J. Brown stack up against the kid from Charlotte and the kid from Wilmington, Delaware, right. and the kid from Del Rey. I, I, there's no way I can possibly do that. So that's where I never really get involved in the process because I don't I don't know enough. Right, and then and you mentioned Ohio. So uh, my my our current signing. So like this was one that happened in this class, which was really you know funny to me. Um, so I could always tell like I'd had you know you you know going around town and you, and people texting me and calling me. I can always tell what site they follow this year. I, I figured everything out this year because of Nick Broker. So Nick Broker was ranked on one site. So we, I guess we have, you know, of course we have two, four, seven people that follow two, four, seven. And then you have some fans that follow rival stuff. And on two, four, seven, he was one of the top recruits. He was a nationally recruit player on two, four, seven, four stars, and yada, yada, yada. On rivals, he was one of our, I think he was ranked one of our lowest recruits, if not the lowest ranked recruit we have. So I don't think he counted even toward the rankings. Does that make sense? So on one site that he's ranked, well, we can't lose him. Good job, great job. And some other people are like, I can't believe we took this guy. And it's the same player. Um, but Nick Broker in particular was another one that was – and this is, I guess, where I get frustrated and I'm going – because if people, you know, bring rankings up to me, then this is probably the part. So the day after we offered – I'm talking about the day after we offered – Nick Broker, he dropped 186 spots the day after. Okay, the next now, flash forward about was that about three or four months, he gets offered by Ohio State. The next ranking, he goes up 218 spots. Okay, kind of sat there, and then all of a sudden, Ohio State decided they were going to bring him on an official visit. Guess what? He bumped another 159 spots. So, and then the other thing with him that was kind of crazy is his ranking changed eight times after his last game. So, what's what 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 changed? What changed after his last game? So, but his ranking changed eight times after his last game. So, you have that, and then. You know, I think you and I have talked about this off the air and started laughing about it a little bit. But this whole uh, the story that got buried faster than the other one was this whole catfishing deal with the the wonderful Blake Carringer from Grace Grace Christian in Knoxville. <laughs> He's a hell of a player. You know, these, hell of a player. Big kid. Big kid. He's a good one. But you know, they make up a fake Twitter profile, and I think it was Instagram too. I can't remember, but starts claiming offers. Not only does he get a profile and get ranked, he gets a film evaluation done. So he gets he gets ranked, and then he gets a film evaluation done, and guess what? He doesn't exist. 
And that story got buried faster, and nobody really talks about it because it got buried. And I understand that. I would probably bury it, too, if I, if I did something like that. But the problem is, is that 99% of the people giving – and I'll say 99 because I do know of one – but 99% of people giving rankings have never evaluated or coached at the college or professional level, period. Uh, not one day. And most are media, and they're hired and do their job for the interview part. Okay, so example, somebody like me, if I went and did, I had to do it, you know, and was working for a rival or two or seven, I would be terrible at the interviews. I'm not going to, you know, you know how, I mean, you, you know, I've talked, you know, it's very difficult. That's a, a difficult part of the of you know y'all's job i couldn't do it but you know at the same time they don't they've never done it for a living and really don't know what they're looking for besides okay he looks his part or who's offered him that's kind of how they justify they don't know how to evaluate so they go well this school has offered them um so they must be this this level uh so you know when when we're making decisions on recruits okay without exception Okay, there's not one one decisions made that we don't have much more inf- information than, than the general public or uh, any kind of recruiting site. And you know, just just as well as I do, when you're making a decision, you know, information and knowledge is power. That's when you're going to be able to make a good decision. If you don't have all the information, you can't make a good decision. So, I guess the good news is for us is that there are a lot of schools out there that are trying to win signing day, and this is a good news. And it's gotten easier for me as time's gone on. Recruiting has gotten easier for me and easier evaluating because there's a lot of young coaches and young people in this business that they just want to win signing day. They don't care if they – it's crazy. They don't care if they actually win on the field. They want to win on signing day. So the whole offseason they can have all, hey, yay, yay, we got this ranked recruiting class and we're doing really good. But that, but they don't, they don't put the time in and evaluate. I mean, it's no secret. Go look at – you know, there's, there's teams out there that have had – you know, really good classes for a long period of time, but they're not winning on Saturdays. Oh, I can – there's some Ole Miss staff, not yours, and it's not Hugh Freeze's, it's the one before that, that uh, that they got hung up on rankings a lot. They they would offer kids and get excited about kids because he was a four-star. Uh, it, it absolutely happened. Um, they, they can they, – they, some of them would deny it, but it, it's, it's absolutely the truth. And uh, it burned them. It burned them a lot. Um – and no, I'm not talking. You know, I think I'm talking about Hugh Freeze. I'm not talking about Hugh Freeze. I'm talking about Houston Nutt. That that <laughs> that staff was. Uh, but that, you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, there's yeah, a, no, it, it happens. It, happens. it absolutely happens. And there, it, it's crazy. You yeah. know, and there were people that. Um, I mean, and there were some. I won't. I'm going to leave names out of it because, but we signed a really good player that was a ranked a three star, and it still blows my mind how that occurred. But we signed a really good player that was right up next within 45 minutes of an SEC school. And he was hands down. It wasn't even close when you did the evaluation. I mean, it was probably a 25-spot difference on on our board uh, with him compared to a guy that was ranked in the top 100. Okay, so the other kid that was ranked 25 spots down was in the top 100. And, you know, he was one of the few uh, – and not one of you, one of the many, I guess, that, you know, we get, you know, why didn't we take this guy? Well, okay. But they play the same position. And one was in the, we went and got a guy that was 45 minutes from their campus and, and they came, they came close to us and got, and got one. But, you know, so 
it, I, I just it's it works in our advantage because we're out working. You know, in my opinion, we're out working, out evaluating them, and and putting in the work to dig deeper uh, to get the better player in the end. Because to me, the result. You know, let's talk about five years from now. Let's see how things are going, and and let's see where the kid is there. That's kind of how I've always been. Now, I would love, don't get me wrong, I would love for everything to be great and, okay, we end up with a great, you know, a great ranking signing class and everybody be happy. But if that if that doesn't work that way, we gotta, we got to do what, what we can do to get the best players on the field. But in order for us to get how rank, and that's going back to what we were talking about earlier, our brand's got to, you know, we, we got to continue to build our brand. And that's where the draft, okay, these guys are putting out NFL players, so maybe they do know what they're talking about. You know, and that's how that occurs. Yeah, at the end of the day. In a, in a nutshell. You at and the I, end of the day. You and I have had this conversation. At the end of the day, you work in a scoreboard business. And, and uh, that's it. I mean, it's just bottom line. And I, I tell people this all the time when they're, you know, what, what do you think about recruiting? And, and, and I'm not belittling recruiting because recruiting is the absolute lifeblood. But when it's about recruiting rankings and stuff, I'm always like, I, I think you just have to be careful with them because at the end of the day, you're going to play 12 games next season, a minimum of 12 games. In each of those 12 games, the score is going to be 0-0 zero to zero when you start. And so and, – and, and none of the people that make rankings and all that stuff are going to influence – uh, those games at all it's it's the you, you you work in one of those rare fields where the product is right there it's and it's it's easy to judge it you know what i mean and so right all that other stuff all that other stuff sort, sort of works its way out i agree all right you were kind enough uh, or crazy enough to agree to take some questions <laughs> from uh, <laughs> from the rebelgrove.com uh, subscribers and uh, I, you said you would do it. I put up a thread, and as you might imagine, it was uh, there. There were some people who had questions. We'll start with this one, and this one is meant because uh, he puts an asterisk by it, so he's clearly having some fun. He wants to know your favorite brand of binoculars. Bushnell. You know, I was very disappointed that I didn't get an endorsement deal out of that deal. You know, I, I use Bushnell rangefinders. You know, very, very upset that you know, because you know they actually have a nice rangefinder now. It's like five hundred bucks, and my wife won't, won't get it for me, so I guess I'm going to go get it myself. But um, Bushnell, yeah, love them. Okay, uh, William. Fal- <laughs> <laughs> William Falkbear wants to know. It's a good question. Um, what, what's the, uh, the biggest takeaway piece of advice that you took, received from Nick Saban during your time working with him at Alabama? Yeah, uh, I would say, um, I think I've mentioned this before, but it was almost like I went to, uh, doctorate school, you know, it's, you know, people say you can't teach an old dog new tricks and, and kind of when you get established in profession, you know, you feel like you kind of learn. You, you do a early in your career, you, you spend probably the first five, six years of your career, you kind of get all your kinks worked out, you know, and you kind of get into your pattern and, and then you kind of set in your ways. And being able to learn some new things, um, I kind of pride myself on, you know, always trying to learn. I think if you're not getting better, somebody's going to be, is going to try to pass you. Um, I think I became better organized uh, overall. In, in this profession, um, organization, definitely efficiency. I think I, 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 it helped me become more efficient. Um, and then probably something that's not really talked about that I took out of it. And maybe it's just me is 
how to handle the big moment. Um, you know, you get, you know, we can call a spade a spade, whatever you want to as coaches, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, we take one game at a time. And, but you know, when you're, when you're on the big stage and you have that defining moment, okay. Whether it's, you know, championship games, whether it's okay, this game to get into a bowl game, whatever it is, handle how to handle the pressure. And cause you always fall back on your training and, you know, you're going to be able to be prepared for it and be able to handle the big moment. I thought was something I took away from that and not being, not letting the pressure get to you and those kind of things. I thought that was something that that's really helped me going there. Uh, Mobtown Reb wants to know what's the staff's favorite barbecue in Memphis. I don't know if there's an inside joke there or, or if he just truly wants to know which which barbecue you prefer. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, you know what? I don't know if I've had bar- – when I go to Memphis, I don't think I eat the barbecue. I'm, I'm a Gus's fried chicken guy. Um, and then uh, Coach Luke's got this breakfast spot that we go to, I'm sure, it's off the top of my head, but – uh, it's really good. I went there. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it's really, there's a breakfast spot there. And I go to Gus's. Um, and then I may sneak over to Ruth Chris from time to time, but that's about it. Okay. All right. Here's, here's, a I like to eat in Oxford. I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't need to go to Memphis to eat. We got everything here in Oxford. Here's a good one. Uh, Texas via Tennessee rebel, uh, and I, I bet this answer is different than it was when you first got here. So I'm curious how understaffed, if at all, is the Ole Miss football program when you compare it to upper echelon SEC schools? To my now or when I first got here? He he's asking now, and I and I'm I, I kind of rephrased it. I'm curious how how is it still understaffed now, and how different is it now from when you first got here? Oh, now no, we're not understaffed. We are. Um, I would probably say upper echelon. Um, if we're not. I mean, there's nobody that's going to have more than us. Um, I think we're right there with the, where we need to be. Um, when I first got here, we were. Obviously, we've, been, we've added a lot. I think that's well documented. We've added, um, I don't know how many, but we have, um, we're not understaffed. We're actually where where it needs to be. So, and i got to credit uh, Ross and uh, Ross Bjork and Michael Thompson um, have been, they never, I mean, that's what they wanted. Uh, they went after it, and they did whatever it took to get it there. And, you know, that's – everybody's like, well, you know, well, that's what it had to be done. And I, I, that was a big – that was a big deal for us. And, and they 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 did whatever they took to make it happen, and they, they were – and it wasn't easy. I mean, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And they and they got it done, and, and um, it makes my, my job easier every day. You mentioned places to eat in Oxford. Someone actually wants to know what is your favorite place to eat in Oxford. Uh, depends on the meal, um, but dinner at the Grill House, um, love it. Um, my uh, wife loves it. My bank account does not. <laughs> um, the uh, breakfast, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit different for breakfast, and I think it was just because of uh, tried it because BBB was. Um, Overpacked, but Philip Billups is kind of uh, the, my breakfast place now. Um, we started going. Uh, we take my wife. We take our kids on on Friday. It was like a family deal. Um, on before games, uh, which lets us uh, take Friday mornings before we leave to handle errands or whatever. So 
we go we go every Friday morning to uh, fill the billets before the game. So um, it's kind of become a family favorite. Uh, you probably don't have a favorite. Favorite commit in the 2019 class on both sides of the ball? I, I, I'll rephrase it so I'm not making you pick a favorite guy. Give me a guy on both sides of the ball that you think is going to surprise fans. Surprise fans, both sides of the ball. That's a good one. Um, I don't know what they're thinking. Uh, just in general, I, I you know, say, you, you talked about rank, you talked about I'll rankings. I'm saying somebody I'm interested. I'm interested in seeing when they get here and seeing how fast they develop is Caleb Warren from Nanawaya. That's a guy that I'm, I'm because. You know, he's a classic example. You watched his film. He was playing small ball. You know, they're running downhill every play. And you watch him go, he's a big guy, but, you know, he's got this, this, this. And then when he came to camp, the day that he came, we had all these superstars, guys that were going everywhere here, and he dominated. You know, he dominated on the island. So seeing him step up in that short period of time, the way he competed and the way he got better in two-hour period, you know, and then he runs right at – five flat or sub five flat at like four nine nine five oh one where it was at, at three hundred and twenty five pounds. Um I'm really interested, you know, has really good length. Um I'm really interested to see how he how fast he develops because I I think being from, you know, that level of high school, I think people kinda of give him the pass. I think he'll surprise some people. Uh defensively, man, um you know, it's kind of cheating because they've, they've already been here. Um, I think Sam Williams will be a name that, that people know about pretty quick. Um, you know, his, his athletic ability. Um, my biggest curiosity is probably Jay Stanley. It's probably my biggest curiosity. I'm, I'm, I kind of put him in the Caleb Warren deal. You know, he's he, he flashed elite ability. Um, he's got good size. He's violent. I'm kind of, um, and he'll be in a position to where he can, you know, he'll have the opportunity to come in here and do it. Just depends on, you know, it's all about learning with those guys. But I think he, I'm excited to see him play. Um, C. Strand wants to know, it's, it's an interesting question. You probably take it in a lot of different directions. Where do you believe there's area for improvement in Ole Miss's recruiting efforts? Yeah, I think we've mentioned it. For me, the number one is, is branding. we got to continue to get to get there. Um, it's and you can already tell a difference between last year's class and this year's class being, you know, it, it, it were you know, and I think coming off the penalties and all that stuff, I think are we're, we're out that you know the the were I guess outside of the state of Mississippi and when you start going nationally, I think you know people are okay, all right, and you're starting to to get back to where it was uh, when I left the last time, and. I'm really uh, branding is just in recruiting. I'm not talking about branding as from fan standpoint. I'm just talking about in recruiting. Um, that would probably be the the biggest thing for me is just just keep you know we're we're on the uphill swing. Just keep climbing when it comes to that. Um. All right. I'm moving along because there's a few that are just ridiculous. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, okay, here's one about official visits. Uh, you guys, you always pair, everyone does this, they pair a recruit with someone on the team as a host. 
How important, right. if at all, is that pairing in the overall official visit experience? Critical. Um, you can you can get one or lose one because of it. Um, you gotta, you know, gotta. It's really not about you know position or you know you know always have the quarterback hosting the quarterback. You know, it, it's about personality fit more than it is anything, and making sure that you're getting that type of kid because everybody's different. They come from different cultures, different backgrounds. You know, some like to have a good time, some don't like to have a good time. Uh, you know, want to want to have a quieter evening. You just it's, it's critical. You you have to match them up with the correct personality more than anything. But it, it will it will, regardless of that that decision will affect the outcome of the visit one hundred percent of the time, one way or the other. Uh, Grizzly Reb eighty nine ask about uh, Memphis. There's been a lot of criticism of the Ole Miss staff the past several years for. Uh, I guess in, in lack of results in Memphis, lack of prospects from Memphis. I know you guys have made a change as it pertains to who recruits Memphis. Um, how how emphasized is Memphis right now? I mean, it yes, I guess yes is the answer. I mean, it, it's there's not there's not a lack of it's it's not like well, oh we're not recruiting Memphis. There, there's nothing that goes on like that. You know, uh, you know, it's real simple is. Our job is to get the best players that we can possibly get that fit with us to the University of Mississippi. Since I've been here, I can't speak. I can't speak before I was here. Um, so let me let me start with that. With that being said, we're just like everything else. We treat Memphis as an in-state area. Okay, um, we tirelessly uh, recruited Charles Clark as our lead recruiter in Memphis um, and the north uh, west part of the state. Um, literally, by the you know we've. It's the first place we went when we went out recruiting, and, and we continue to go there. Um, you know, when it comes to taking particular guys, right? So I can't believe y'all didn't take this guy. I can't believe you didn't take that guy. Well, since, I, you know, a lot of the times there's more to it than just why didn't y'all take this guy, okay? So let's say if you're taking one guy at one spot, okay, and the guy in Memphis, and I'm not saying this is the case, but I'm just saying, for example, if the guy in Memphis is ranked six on the board, Okay, and you got one through five, and you're only taking one. You know we're not going to just take a guy from Memphis. That's just to take a guy from Memphis. You know they got a. You know does that make sense? I mean you're sure. one. Sure. Want to get the best players? Sure, of course. Um, now this current class, there are there are uh, several guys up there that can play. Uh, I would the. The rankings, as far as all that's concerned, I don't care about those. Uh, you know, I probably should, and it'd probably make a lot of people happy, and I'm sure somebody's going to go over. But we got to get the best players, and and if somebody's not ranked high, I can't help that. I wish I could, but um, if I think if I think if if everybody, including people doing the rankings, <laughs> had the same amount of knowledge of the situations that I have, it would change things. You know, there's, there's, uh, but yes, there's always going to be, there's always going to be an emphasis as long as, you know, as long as I'm here, there, and that's where we, that's an in-state area for us. So, it's no different than anything else. So, uh, when it comes to offers and things like that, because it is an in-state area, we can't just go offer kids to offer kids. And I think a lot of times what happens and where people get frustrated, just like they do in Mississippi, and I get it. Well, why haven't we offered this guy? Because school X, Z, and all that stuff can't has offered them. We haven't. Okay, if we go to 
we go to uh, Memphis or anywhere in Mississippi and we offer a kid, okay? And then for whatever reason, we pull out of the offer, okay, we're never going to be able to go back. And when you go to a place like Memphis that's so well-connected and the coaches are great and they communicate and all that stuff, well, you do it one time in Memphis, now you've lost the whole city. And so you, you got to be very careful on the guys you offer, and when you offer them, you got to take them. You can't you can't back out of them, um, and and you have to be you have to take that in consideration for long term success. You know, sure you'd be fine this year, nobody would care, but next year when you want to go get another guy, and and Memphis is they produce a lot of players. I mean, a lot of good players, and you and you mess one up in one school, okay? Well, you're gonna miss the next fifteen that come out of the same school for the next five years. So you just gotta you have to you, there's a it's this an art and you and you gotta be smart at it. but to say it where it is emphasized and there's a lot of I guess misinformation when it comes to that um, but it is being emphasized and it's been emphasized and that's there's there's a lot more that goes to those decisions than what's public. Um, here's a, here's one you knew it would come up you uh, you opened yourself up for this uh, people get worked up about your Twitter feed uh, you, you you have uh, you have tweets sometimes that people interpret as uh, news coming uh, good news coming uh, etc so the, the, the question is uh, and I'll let you expound on it the question is do, does Tyler limit random Twitter postings to only when we I refer I assume that means Ole Miss when we've received a verbal football commitment or should we stop reading so much into these yes Lord please I had I literally matter of fact I saw you the day at the SEC this I can't make this up so I take my two boys uh, we were on spring break here so I take my two boys my 12 year old my 11 year old they wanted to go to the SEC tournament forever. Well, we're within driving distance, and it worked out with spring break and all that stuff. So I take my two boys to the SEC basketball tournament. I literally take a picture of my two boys at the SEC basketball tournament, and, like, I don't remember what I said. Something, I don't know. <laughs> within, within 45 seconds, I had three text messages asking me if we got two commitments. <laughs> uh, so – <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, I can't, I can't tweet anything now without getting text messages. So the answer is, is like sometimes they meet something, sometimes they don't. I know that doesn't help everybody. Um, I remember getting wore out uh, on the cesspool negativity of uh, Twitter. That one time I, I was sitting in a recruit. Here's another thing: is not a lot of them are driven towards the kids who are recruiting, not the fans. If that makes any sense. I had um, one of the players, they, the recruit, you know, he loved to call us all funny. So he says, hey, I want you to tweet out. I'm going to pick out the most random one I can I can think of. I want you to tweet out. I think I tweeted out something like, uh, I think it was like Elmo or something on fire or something, and then I was getting hammered for that. So, you know, it's geared around the 17, 18-year-olds, not really the fans. But, yeah, don't, don't, I don't think it's any, sometimes it's just fun, but it's, yeah, highly, highly, highly uh, over overrated and and uh, overanalyzed. I guess would be my word. But uh, yeah, it's a you know, it's a joke. I didn't. I mean, we got we got commitments this weekend. I didn't tweet anything this weekend. So you know, sometimes it sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. So, and then that's the other thing is you know, sometimes commitments are public and sometimes they aren't. Um, and you know, I know you guys understand that, but. 
you know, it just it is what it is. But yeah, I think it's uh it's kind of funny. I kind of I kind of laugh. Here's some pretty good questions here. We're starting to wind down. I promise I'm not going to keep you much longer, but this is a good one. Are you guys, for the first time in a couple of years, are bowl eligible? The NCAA things uh, in the past, no matter what anybody thinks of it, whether it was fair or not, whatever, it's over. How much negative recruiting regarding the NCAA do you still battle today? Uh, I would say this class, this current class, I would say none. Uh, I've had, I don't know how many recruits I've talked to in this class. I've only had one question, I believe. If I'm, I'm trying to think back. Because it was a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember exactly who it was. but That's got to be refreshing. They had one question. But, yeah, it's 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 really good. Um, so I, I would say none. I mean, you'll still have the occasional question. But I don't know if it's really stemmed from – you can tell the way the wording of the questioning is from the – from the kid or the parent, you can tell if it came from another school, if that makes sense. I can, I can tell by the way somebody asked me a question and what words they use if somebody coached them up to ask that question. So um, a lot in the last class. We had a lot still. Um, this class uh, so far, like I said, I don't believe any has come directly from a coach. I did have a, a single question asked a couple weeks ago by uh, a parent, but nothing um, from a kid yet. Um, with the new recruiting calendar, it's still fairly fairly a new thing that you guys are dealing with. I know in your world you're completely adjusted to it, but I think it's uh, it's a good question. With the new recruiting calendar, uh, the question is why the slow – and you kind of answered this a minute ago – why the slowed approach of evaluating and offers versus previous staffs that did the wide net approach? Yeah, and, and this has – and this, this whole approach is not unique to – well, I say that the which we're talking about the wide net. That approach is not new. That's what a lot of people do, um, and that's part of the reason why the rankings are so messed up. Is they'll go and you know they will just start. You know, some schools use an offer as a way to recruit somebody, and um, I think the closer and we're not as we are, I guess, tighter to the vest. The closer we are to home because of those relationships that we have, um, and we can't mess those up because it's kind of like our backyard um but at the same time i I wouldn't say we're slow and that's another thing i I mean i wouldn't say we're slow i think what the public what's out there is maybe slow um but i mean we had we we got guys sometimes offered for six and seven months before it goes public i mean so i don't think our evaluation process is we're actually way ahead um but it's really what's out there the public perception of what's slow but um i think our evaluations are more thorough um, and we're going to make really good decisions, but the amount of offers and things um, before we put—I mean, before we put out any kind of offer—it's the kid's been evaluated a thousand times. I mean, it's it's very detail-oriented. So um, I don't think we're slow. Um, we're probably faster than most. But I think some of the offers that get thrown out there are thrown out there without—you know—I know what happens. I've seen it happen. I mean, I've been doing this 20 years. I've seen this happen a lot, and it's been bad for about the last, I would say seven to ten years is there's kids getting offered without watching one clip of film they'll go to a school they're there to recruit uh let's see who's a, all right so you're at jackson prep i can say this because you because uh, of uh ely you were there to see ely i'm not saying we did this i'm just saying other schools um a school will come in to see jaron ely and all of a sudden 
the coach, you know, from, let's say, USC. I'm just going to throw them out there. USC comes to see, flies all the way across the country to see um, Jerry Neely. Okay, so they go in there, they see him, and while the coach is in there, he goes, hey, coach, you know, I know you like Ely. Y'all see this this freshman or this sophomore I got. And the kid walks in, you know, the kid, he sees the kid, and he's like, oh, wow. He goes, yeah, we're going to offer him too. Well, now the kid gets on Twitter, I've blessed receiving offer by USC. Well, then all of a sudden the rivals and the 247 and the ESPN of the world, they go, oh, he's offered by USC. Four-star. He's a young guy that's really good and good enough to get offered. That happens a lot. That's another ranking deal. But um, it's got out of hand a little bit. I mean, you're looking um, – there's – every year it's like this, but it's gotten worse and worse. I think this year there were like 6,700 kids in the country, somewhere roughly around there. You, you have to fact-check me on that one because I don't know. But there's six to 7,000 kids this past year that had Division One offers, okay? Well, there's only 3,250 spots in FBS. So, you know, 50% of the kids that got offers won't even get a chance to play. So uh, it's, it's that, that part's kind of gotten out of hand a little bit. Are there programs that provide a good model for Ole Miss in recruiting? I know you have your own um, brand, but do you, do you look at some other yeah, programs and it, say that's kind of who? No, I mean, it kind of is what it is. Uh, I think I've, this has been stated before, but um, – the current teams using this model would be Ole Miss, uh, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and South Carolina are the teams uh, in the in this and that are using this model. And probably Georgia Tech would be the other one. That and I don't know that for a fact, but I I would willing to bet you because of the head coach um, Jeff Collins, who is the head coach at Georgia Tech. He actually uh, had did this job at Alabama before I did. Um, and then uh, Patrick Suttis, who now um, I don't know what his title. I think he got he's like a general manager title, or whatever. But he does my job at Georgia Tech. Um, he was also at Alabama uh, while Jeff was there, so I would imagine they are doing something similar. So I would say there's probably uh, six schools. I'm throwing Georgia Tech, and I don't know that, but I would be shocked if they weren't doing it. Um, it's kind of a just from an efficiency and getting the you're going it kind of the whole system kind of. Uh, you know, everybody's going to miss on guys um, from time to time, but I think it makes you less likely to miss when you do it like this. Who makes the call? Who makes the final call to offer a player? Is it Matt? Yeah, so, yeah, I won't give our whole system, but uh, Matt watches everyone, and the final call, um, so the way the way we do it, and uh, I'm trying to not give away too much information, but long story short, Matt, um, and then after Matt has made his decision, it is further discussed. Um, so we have um, a whole system to get to that point. It gets to Matt, um, um, myself, and, and Clay Carter and Brandon Chapman. We all watch uh, every day with Coach Luke. Um, the following day, the guy, we discuss every single player we watch with our staff. And then let's say we have a guy that has – um, okay, this guy's a offer grade. We talk about it, and then all of a sudden, uh, Rich Rod goes, well, he goes, you know, hey, look, uh, I like him too. Did some preliminary evaluation. He's got a 1-3 core and a 12 on ACT. So then we change his grade after our discussion. So really the final, final grade is after staff discussion. All right, last... And that way everybody on our staff knows, you know, 
everybody knows everybody. It's not, okay, I'm a, you know, Faye Roach, I'm a D-line coach. I only know about defensive players. So they know, you know, when Jerry on Ely comes in the door, even though Freddie's not recruiting, he knows who he is and he knows how important he is to our program. He recruits him just as hard. Gotcha. All right, last two things. You mentioned Rich Rodriguez. This is a pretty good question from uh, Gray Reb. He says, uh, how has the type of player you would ideally like to get changed for Rich Rodriguez's offense as opposed to Phil Longo's and the same for uh, having a new defensive coordinator in Mike McIntyre? Has it changed the players, the type of player that you recruit? Uh, I would say it added to it, I think, uh, offensively, um, you know, I guess Rich Rod technically has a different, another, an additional position. Uh, so we need to get um, another, I'd probably say two, not another two. We need in this class probably take <clears throat> two guys who are, you know, the, uh, he had the Noel Devine kid there, uh, you know, the scat guy, the guy that can play a little bit of receiver and a little bit of running back. Um, like, uh, um, Dexter was here, you know, guys that can – Jeff Scott would be really good. And, you know, those kind of guys that can really run that aren't just going to play running back. They can play some receiver too. Uh, you know, Mike being here has been uh, – is perfect for uh, – and I was – you know, it's kind of what I'm used to recruiting to. Um, that's a – you know, it's a very similar system that I've been used to recruiting to. Um, been really good for me as far as um, – I know exactly what he wants. Um, so that's been in my past. So a lot of past experience there. And the same thing with Rich Rod. So uh, Rich Rod's system is really similar, I mean, from a, from a recruiting standpoint. I'm not talking about from a schematic standpoint, but from a recruiting standpoint of, of that the type of players that we had to get at uh, Arkansas State by the scheme that we were running even before, you know, with you before while we were at Arkansas State. So we had, you know, we had a couple of, uh, we were doing before we came here in the SEC, um, we were doing a lot more uh, receiver-oriented runs at Arkansas State. And you can, um, when we got here, we did it for a little bit, but the other personnel around us didn't fit that. And um, so that's kind of why we got away from that a little bit, that whole schematic part that you probably didn't see much of here. But some of the guys that, that are listening that may have watched us at Arkansas State, so very similar personnel sets. So both of them are very familiar with what I've done in the past. Um, as long as we don't go to the wishbone, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> All right, last thing. Uh, appreciate your time, really, do You spent almost no, you're good. almost an hour with us. Um you mentioned getting uh, feedback from Ole Miss fans when you post tweets and stuff. What's the craziest feedback from other teams' fans that you've gotten on social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever? Oh, man. Uh, you know, I really don't um, – man, I can't uh, – I mean, I've gotten so many. I've had um, – I can't remember what's – over the course of time. Uh, I had a preacher one time uh, – I was a preacher because I was like, man, that's harsh. And uh, but I had a preacher to uh, wish that I, I got colon cancer and died a slow and painful death. That was a good one. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, that was a good one, and uh, that was a good one. Um, that was probably my best one. Um, physical threats. Um, that was a good one. But you know, you know how it is. The guys that are usually critical are nice to you when they see you in public. They don't. They don't want be mean to you when they're in public so but no it's look it's football is passion you know somebody just irritated or whatever but it's just part of the job you kind of get 
I know hardened to it after a while. I really don't, and I don't really pay a whole lot of attention. That that was the one that just stuck out because he was a preacher. But you know, the one thing I'll say though, you know, when it comes to the passion, especially our fan base, the you know the passion is you know in 2012 we were terrible. Our our talent level was bad when I first got here. I mean we were we were we were bad. But every Saturday, every single Saturday, regardless of the outcome. We had recruits there, and the stadium was packed. And you were here, Neil. I mean, you remember. Yeah, I remember. Um, the stadium was packed, and the energy was tangible. I mean, you could feel it. I mean, you could almost cut it with a knife. And we were terrible. You know, we went through a stretch there where we were like 2-5 and five in the SEC. When we started SEC play, we were like 2-5. and five. But every single game, regardless of what the outcome was, the fans were passionate. The energy was there. Uh, we had a packed house. And in the recruits can can feel that too, and that's where you know it, it's an, it's important. And we go we go to a bowl game, we go to Birmingham Bowl, whatever it was, was it the Compass Bowl, whatever it was, the BBBA so, Compass Bowl. That was it. That was it. I was really excited. I'm from Anniston, Alabama, so I got to go to a bowl game <laughs> 45 minutes from home. Um, but regardless, it was sold out. It was sold out, and it was just full. It was a home game, and that makes a difference. And it makes a difference in recruiting. It makes a difference with our team, you know. And that's the thing. The, the biggest thing for me is we're all on the same team, okay? We all want the same thing. There's not one fan on a message board. There's not one fan on Twitter. There's not one fan that's trying to renew his, you know, decide if they're going to renew their season tickets or whatever the, the, the word is that wants to be more successful than anyone in this building or this athletic department. You know, they're getting our best every single day. Every day they're getting our best. We're all pulling in the same direction or trying to. And that would be my, my you know, what I would ask for just is let's let's all pull in the same direction. We all want the same things. And a very passionate – we have a very, very passionate fan base, and that's awesome. But we need to use it to our advantage. And let's, and let's get that, you know, that tangible energy back. And I think that helps in everything. That gets us back faster than anything that – you know, everybody wants to get back to where we were. Everybody does. There's not one person. We all know. We're all in the same. We're all pulling the same direction, and let's all let's all get moving in the same direction, and let's and let's bring that back because it's going to get back, and the and the and the bandwagon's going to be full. But you know, let's let's all get it back, and let's we all want the same results. And I think that's that's something that you know that even the passion of our fan base can it can and will help us uh, get this thing moving a little faster. Tyler, you gave us more than 58 minutes. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. You bet. Thanks, Neil. Talk to you soon. Our thanks again to Tyler for his time today. I, I, I've known Tyler for a long time. Uh, I can tell you that uh, no one puts more effort into uh, program building and recruiting than uh, than Tyler does. I think Ole Miss is lucky to have him. I, I've said that for a while. Um, I know that they've inherited a uh, – a, a rough uh, set of scenarios, set of circumstances, I should say, since uh, they took over. Um, they feel like they're turning a corner. Obviously, as we talked about, they're in the scoreboard business, and we'll find out. Um, that's the bottom line, and that's uh, that's that way of, of every coaching staff out there. They're in the scoreboard business. Um, they're in charge of recruiting. They have to bring recruits in that can impact the scoreboard business because ultimately that is how they are judged. And uh, this staff will be as well. I can tell you that um, as it pertains to Tyler specifically, uh, nobody works any harder than he does. So um, 
Again, thanks to him for uh, his time today. I thought it was informative. I hope you did as well. We'll come back next week with another edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. And uh, we'll continue to talk about recruiting. Might get back into some basketball recruiting as it winds down. Look ahead to the 2020 uh, basketball recruiting class a little bit. Working on a number of different things. Not exactly sure which direction we're going to go. But we'll have a soft verbal podcast your way uh, this time next week. So until then, take care. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon.